Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Loudmouth Podcast, the show about everything and nothing all at once. I'm your host, the one and only host with the small lips, Loudmouth. It's Madison Hadler. Welcome back, everybody. Happy Friday. Hope you had a good week. I hope you have some amazing weekend plans. Um, I feel like I have not caught a break at all. Um, A couple weekends ago, I had so many things to attend, events to attend. And then last weekend was my birthday. So of course I had things to do. And this weekend I'm going to Indiana for a wedding with my roommate Morgan. So it just feels like I am running around um, consistently. But Hopefully next weekend I don't have much to do and we can just chill because especially now working a nine to five, um, it's like hard to catch up on you time because I feel like right when I get off of work, I'm like, okay, need to go home, need to either socialize, need to make dinner, need to do podcast or freelance work, need to do something else, or maybe I go see a show, whatever it is. It's just like you have very limited time to your actual self. So weekends are definitely the times when I spend the most time alone, hang out and act like a vegetable all weekend. Um, So when I get those weekends taken away from me, it makes me a little upset and it makes me feel even more stressed than I was before. Hence the podcast coming out a couple days later than I normally make it out, but we're still doing it anyway. And that's all that matters. All you guys want to hear is my voice. So I'm here to give that to you, whether it's a couple days late or not. Um, unfortunately today <laughs> we're talking about a topic that, um, I've talked about recently in September and it's, fucking abortion bans, man. Um, We're going to talk about the recent Supreme Court decision that got leaked and what that means for people with people with the ability to get pregnant, what it means for future um, due process and right to privacy court cases, and so on and so forth. So unfortunately, we're getting back into it Let's learn how we can help and what's going on. what even happened um you just kind of saw everybody freaking about about roe v wade and didn't really know what else to look into so basically last week um justice alito's draft opinion got leaked that stated they were overturning roe versus wade it was leaked by a legal clerk to politico and they announced it and basically the it was confirmed that this was a draft that was in the works and unfortunately we all knew that this was coming once we had six conservatives sitting on the court and especially with the most recent surge in creating trigger laws and creating different abortion bans like in Texas and things like that um, we knew this was coming we knew at some point it was going to happen where Rogue Wade was going to come under scrutiny and under attack and even though when we were when politics politicians not politics when politicians were confirming um, the Supreme Court justices there were a lot of questions going around asking if they were going to overturn Roe v. Wade and a lot of them straight up lied of course they did saying that they would never it's a precedent they wouldn't do that 
Um, and now here we are, of course, sitting in a pool of lies about it. Um, conservatives have been pushing for Roe v. Wade to be overturned for a while. No surprise, of course. Um, in May 2021, the Supreme Court agreed to review a lower court's decision in a Mississippi state law that was adopted in 2018 that banned most abortions after the 15th week of pregnancy well before the point of fetal viability. And fetal viability is an important case in Roe v. Wade. And basically it's set as a precedent um, of 24 weeks is when there is fetal viability, um, which is hyper hypothetically, whenever the fetus could survive. Um, So Mississippi and more started banning at the 15th week of pregnancy. And that is what the law that the drafted opinion was about was this Mississippi law. Um, Although although the law was plainly unconstitutional under Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey, Mississippi law for makers passed the measure in the hope that an inevitable legal challenge would eventually make its way to the Supreme Court, where a conservative majority of justices would overturn or drastically reduce the scope of those decisions. The single question that the court agreed to consider in the case Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization was whether all pre-viability abortions are a unconstitutional so they have never agreed to hear this case before um so this was back in 2018 that this law was put into place and a lot of conservatives have been pushing for the supreme court to re-see different cases that kind of address roe v wade and finally they agreed to see this one and right before they did it mississippi rewrote the question of the case so the question was basically from whether the 15-week line is reasonable um, for terms of viability, and they rewrote it to basically say, is it constitutional? Kind of urging its way into setting a new precedent and overturning Roe v. Wade. And Justice Breyer called this out, called saying that they had changed the question, um, but they still considered and saw the case. They usually don't take cases that they think they will lose because they don't want to strengthen the precedent that it states. So that is why up until this point, we have not seen a case that kind of touches Roe v. Wade. Until now, we know that there is a conservative majority and they have pretty much um, secured and confirmed that they are going to win the majority and overturn this precedent. Um, Now that they have those people, they went ahead and saw the case. In Alito's opinion, he basically outright says, not even basically, he outright says, a right to an abortion is not deeply rooted in the nation's history or tradition. So he is calling for this idea that, which is what happens in most um, Supreme Court cases, when it asks if it's constitutional, they look back at the Constitution and say, well, technically, an abortion is not laid out in any of the documentations of the Constitution. It's not in our history. It's not tradition. So we are going to ban it based on those um, on those ideas. And this is a due, Roe v. Wade is a due process claim. And basically what Alito is saying, in his opinion, is that due process claims are not substantial. So what is due process? Specifically due process of the 14th Amendment, which is what Roe v. Wade in these cases are seeing, is exactly similar to a provision in the 
Fifth Amendment, which only restricts the federal government. It states that no person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of the law. Um, Many other due process cases um, are sodomy and contraceptions and marriage, interracial marriage, because it looks into this privacy, this right to privacy in the 14th Amendment due process clause. And what Alito tries to say is to not worry. Um, Basically, the whole time he was saying, don't worry, abortion is different. Um, And Although he said this the whole entire time, we now see that this is not the case. And it makes us worry even more because he the whole time has said, don't worry about abortion. Don't worry about abortion. We're not going to touch it. It's a right to privacy. And the fact that they are now touching it and they are now overturning it means that they could potentially overturn these things like gay marriage, like contraceptions and things of that nature. So if you've been on Twitter or anything recently and you've seen a lot of states um, or a lot of tweets talking about how they're starting to ban UTIs and things of that nature, that is because they are now pressing these due process laws. Um, now that they've overturned or are about to overturn Roe v. Wade, it's like, how, how much further can we go? How much further can we make this lay? Um, he says in the beginning of his opinion that in general the court shouldn't have voted on Roe v. Wade or, at all and that it should be legislated by Congress or the state, which is now what is essentially what essentially will happen when this uh, when Roe v. Wade gets overturned. He says that the court shouldn't have voted or shouldn't have seen this at all is because um, they were going to set a precedent and they don't want precedents to be overturned. Like I said before, big ego thing. We know lawyers. They have a lot of egos. They're very, very all about it. And so they don't want to go back on their word. And so Alito is saying from the get go that they shouldn't even have even voted on it. They should have kept it to the states because once they make this big of a precedent and they go back on it, it looks bad on them, which he could have just, you know, not overturned it. But here we are. We do not officially know if this is the final word, but it most likely is. There are obviously some cases where this draft or where this decision could be, you know, overturned. There could be people who dissent, making the majority opinion change their mind on things. There could be people that not that don't follow Alito's opinion and enough dissents can make them redraft the opinion or whatever it is. So there are cases where it could potentially go the other way, but... Unfortunately, just knowing who we have on the court, knowing we have Kavanaugh, knowing we have Amy Coney Bryant, all that stuff, it's just like probably, or oh my gosh, Amy Coney Barrett. Sorry, I said Bryant, like we're talking about Kobe Bryant over here, but we have these people on the court and unfortunately we can't trust them with bodily body autonomy. So that's really fun for us. Okay, now we know what happened and we know kind of what's going on in the court's mind. But why is this a bad thing? Uh, Obviously, we know this isn't great. Um, The basic understanding of it knows that we are overturning a law that makes abortion illegal, of course, which is not good. But in what states and where and how is this going to affect what actually happened? What does post Roe v. Wade look like? I highly, highly recommend, I'm going to put it in the show notes, but um, there is a New York Times The Daily episode that goes over post um, map of a a post Roe v. Wade map and kind of what that looks like. And she talks about in it the 
three different types of states that we have right now. So we have states that are totally for abortion and have things set up in place that even if Roe v. Wade were to be overturned, they would still have abortion. Those states are California, um, more things on the West Coast, various places like that. She gets more in depth into that and then the or what that means, what that looks like. So that means, you know, having Medicare apply to getting an abortion and things of that nature. And then the second category is you have states that are um, prepared for when or have trigger laws so that when ever Roe v. Wade is overturned, abortion is illegal. And these sit in a lot of pockets. So we have like the Missouri um, kind of area, Missouri, Alabama, Atlanta, Texas, that kind of area, cluster of states that have all these trigger laws making abortion illegal. Um, And first, let me kind of go over what a trigger law is. So those are laws that automatically ban abortion in the first and second trimesters if Roe v. Wade were overturned. So in the United States right now, 13 states, Arkansas, Idaho, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, and Wyoming have trigger laws. So basically saying that if Roe v. Wade is overturned, they have laws already in place that ban abortion at six weeks, ban abortion at first sign of a heartbeat or whatever it is. So they already have these in place that the wording is just right on it, that if Roe v. Wade's overturned, bam, it's a law now and abortion is no longer legal. And those are kind of the biggest worries in a post-Roe world. So we have that first category of of city or of states and counties that are completely safe and have legal abortion no matter if Roe v. Wade is in place or not. And then we have these second middle categories like Missouri that have these trigger laws that are abs- that are hell-bent on banning abortion and after Roe v. Wade gets overturned, they will completely be gone and then they will start working on things like banning and making it illegal to go over to, if you're in Missouri, to go over to Illinois to get an abortion and then completely making it illegal to even offer up an idea of an abortion and things like that. Then the third category is states um, like Florida that kind of don't really know where they stand. They have some places and some laws that are on the anti-abortion side but maybe aren't enacted yet or they just haven't even codified anything. So we have some states that are kind of in the middle and wishy-washy. But that's kind of what the world post Roe v. Wade would look like. If Roe is overturned, the Guttemacher Institute predicts that abortion would be explicitly or effectively outlawed in at least 26 states. And according to one estimate, 41% of people with uteruses of childbearing age, mostly across the South and Midwest, would lose access to their nearest clinic, potentially increasing their average travel time by hundreds of miles. And in Texas, if this is just one example, in Texas, if Roe v. Wade was overturned, all abortions would become illegal. So that is a post-Roe post, post Roe v. Wade. Um, that's what we would look like. And it would be very confusing. And I know, especially there's another daily episode where they talk to explicitly um, 
people that are pro-life and especially there's some lawmakers in Missouri that talk about how once Roe v. Wade is overturned and once Missouri has this ban on abortion, they're not going to stop there. They're going to continue, like I said earlier, going after the doctors, going after nonprofits that try and help, going after contraceptives. They're going to go after women who leave the state to try and get an abortion and it's just going to become even harder to get this safe and necessary medical procedure. So what are people supposed to do if they want to get an abortion, but they are in a state that doesn't allow it? Um, right now, there are some nonprofit organizations that are doing telemedicine. You can see them over the phone or over the Zoom, over Zoom, and they will send you the pills and things you need, and they'll do checkups and things of that nature. But they don't know how long this is actually going to be legal, considering, especially in places like Texas, where they are completely outlawing abortion, they're going to crack down on these um, organizations that do this work and things like that. Um, you could be also prosecuted for doing that in some places, not only the nonprofit organization, but you yourself. Um, you could get on a plane or drive if you can even get an appointment in the first place. And usually that means going back to the clinic once you get, you know, one set of pills and going back to check up and make sure that you uh, are still are no, no longer pregnant. And of course, this is a terrible solution because most people who are seeking abortions are people who cannot afford to have a kid in the first place. So how the fuck would they afford to get a plane ticket, to get a car ride, to take off work, to go pay for a procedure? Especially as we're talking about this Roe v. Wade being overturned, we need to recognize that a lot of these barriers have already been in place for women of color, for people who um, are under the poverty line or just middle class people, whatever it is. And I'm seeing a lot more white women speak up and ramp up and talk about this, which obviously it's important to talk about, but we need to recognize that this isn't a this is an issue that directly affects people of color and um underprivileged people. It is now it's starting to affect the more privileged and so that's why we're speaking up, but this has already been a barrier in place. Abortions have already been restricted and now we are just attacking marginal marginalized communities even more. Um and especially without giving them the support that they need after forcing them to have a child. Um besides just getting on a plane or driving, you could take matters into your own hands, whether that is safely, whether it is not. I have seen a lot of things go around of different ways to have an abortion or to um, start an abortion that are less damaging or intrusive. So if you do need to look those up, go on Twitter. There are lots of them, but please do your research and try to get healthy medical advice if you can. Um, so you can take matters into your own hands or have a forced pregnancy, which is not fun for anyone. Now, there are some legislative solutions that may take it back to the Supreme Court. Um, but for now, it's kind of terrifying that we could essentially lose all the safety that we previously had. And as of right now, the Democrats do not have the votes to pass a federal abortion protection act right now. Um, they need either 60 votes to overcome a filibuster or just plan to end it, which has been hard process because they don't even have enough votes to get it in place. And that's also being seen on the Republican side. There's just no connect and there's no middle ground for anyone right now to get anything passed. Um 
as I was talking about earlier, I listened to a couple of the daily New York Times episodes and there was one episode, they did a two-part series. Um, one part was the pro-life side and the other part was the pro-choice side. I highly recommend you listen to them. I will say the pro-life side did make me cry just because it's so upsetting how these people, and mostly men too, by the way, it's just so amazing how these people don't understand what access to uh, abortion means for people, what access to abortion means for our society. And especially as we're talking about pro-life versus pro-choice, it's so funny how we're seeing these people be like, oh, well, there's going to be a ramp up um, in social serv- services. We're going to see more people getting help and people getting the help they need. Like they have done that this whole entire time because actually they have never once tried to protect. And if we actually cared about these people, about these children after, quote unquote, children after they are born, then why do we not have a universal healthcare system? Why do we not have public education that is good? Why do we not have um, free student loans? Why do we not, why do we have so many kids in foster care and adoption? Why are we not talking about them Why are we not protecting our children in schools with gun violence? Why are we not doing so many fucking questions? Why are we killing black people? Why are we, whatever it is, you can probably put a question in front of it. And so it's really disheartening listening to these pro-life people talk about how they care so much about the, the victim that is the child, about all this stuff. But they're talking about it in such like a... A tactical and scary way um like one of the people that were talking I forget his name but he basically said um that they are he's in Missouri and he they are trying to make it illegal to cross state lines because a lot of people in Missouri are going over to Illinois or to Kansas as of right now to get abortion care and he was talking about how they are really trying to limit that that that's their next move after pro-life or after Roe v. Wade is overturned that's their next move and one of the things he says is how do you craft legislation that doesn't allow them to leave or give them this other solutions he literally said that he was talking about abortion clinics. Um, if you guys don't know what, or pregnancy centers, I'm sorry, pregnancy centers. If you guys don't know what pregnancy centers are, basically there are these, they are these Christian conservative ran clinics that sit near Planned Parenthoods or sit near abortion clinics and give women everything but the option to have an abortion. They talk them out of an abortion. They give them pregnancy tests, things like that, make them seem like they care, and then essentially convince them to have a baby. And in Missouri, right now, there are 75 pregnancy centers to every one abortion clinic in Missouri. And they only want more of this. I remember in when I was in Springfield in college, I would see abortion or these pregnancy center flyers everywhere. And every time I would rip them down, I would tear them up and throw them away because it's just disgusting some a person is already in this state where they are uncomfortable they are vulnerable they don't know if they want to keep the kid or not depending on the situation it is not safe or it wasn't safe getting pregnant whatever it is and these these centers are feeding them lies are feeding them and telling them that Basically, they're not a good person if they don't keep the kid and that they're going to help them and that they're going to support them. And yet here we are. We never do. The con- we, our country never does. And Missouri especially does not actually care about the child after birth. They just care about actually having the child and controlling people's bodies. 
All right, so I've disheartened you a lot, probably, um, just like listening to those podcasts did, and just like this whole legislation is, and just like this whole country is. Very, very disheartening. But what can we do? You know, I'm always going to provide you with something that we can do. Um, obviously, attend protests that are in your area, but please do the research on them. There have been a couple posts going around of Planned Parenthood doing a protest, and they are having you sign up for the protest. Please be safe. Do not ever sign up for a protest. That is just a database of your information. And if something were to go wrong, you could be hurt in those way. Highly recommend go to the ACLU's Instagram. They have good tips on how to stay safe during protests. And also before going to your protest, make sure that it is not just run by white women and it's just not just white women screaming because that's not in any way, shape, or form important. Or make sure that the conversation isn't centered around white women because this bill is directly affecting underrepresented communities like trans people, like people of color, everybody in that category, LGBTQ people of color, everything like that. It is affecting them way more harshly than it is affecting white women. And I'm not saying it's not affecting white women. It's not what I'm saying. It's just that we need to center these people around um abortion arguments we need to talk about the intersectionality of it all because it's not just white women that are getting hurt it is these communities that are getting even more hurt than they already were we are just now starting to get these repercussions so let's make sure that we are sending our arguments centering our activism around those people of color lifting up their voices and listening to their stories and also making sure that we are not going around screaming um you know I'm not pro killing babies I'm not pro killing this because that's not what abortion is um abortion is not killing a baby it is killing cells killing it is getting rid of cells and it is harmful to say things of that nature because it just intensifies the pro-life narrative Another thing we need to know is that not all abortion is traumatic or not all abortion is caused by traumatic things. People can have abortions just because they want to have an abortion. People cannot have kids because they don't want to have kids. People can have an abortion because they can't afford to have a kid. It does not have to be this terrible traumatic story to get the love and recognition that all these people who are getting abortions deserve. So if you're out there and you've had an abortion, please know that I'm always here for you. I'm always a safe space for you if you need to tell your stories or if you just need someone to talk to about everything going on. Um, so make sure that we are going out there. We are supporting our people who have had abortions. We are going to local protests. We are doing the work, making sure that the protests are safe and good, and also making sure that uh, we are centering people of color and trans people around this conversation. Um, you can also... Donate to abortion funds. Definitely support your local abortion fund over um, things of Planned Parenthood and that nature because on the ground, abortion funds are how we're going to be able to spend money and get people to the states they need to get to to get abortions and things like that. So, wow. I hope that that kind of gave you a quick, dirty rundown of everything that's going on with Roe v. Wade and all the things that you're probably hearing about in the nudes, it, news, <laughs> not nudes. It is incredibly disheartening, of course, to see all this, but um, 
hopefully now that you've listened to this episode now that you kind of get what's going on we can do our work together we can uplift people who um, are doing the work and support them monetarily with our time with their voices with our platforms uh, anything of that nature so yeah I will be posting more resources as I see them on my Instagram. So please go follow me at loudmouthpod. Go follow me on Twitter at loudmouth underscore pod. Um, I have a Facebook too. You can like me on there. Uh, it'll all be linked in the show notes. Highly recommend you go check out those daily episodes that I mentioned and referenced in this episode. Do your own research. Of course, I am not an end all be all of information. So Please go out and do your own research. Read the articles that I put down below. Listen to the podcast. Send me new information as you receive it. Um, I will put some abortion funds that you guys can support down below. Yeah. Okay. I'll talk to you guys next week. Keep doing the work. Go out there and be loud, bitches. Bye.